Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. In this series that we're about to start, uh, which is called Testify, it's all about testimonies and the sharing of, of the gospel. That really focuses on uh, a lot of things in those four areas. It focuses on all of them, but more specifically, people who are uh, in need of Christ. So that's souls, but also people who are hurting. They need testimonies, testimonies that will encourage them. So when you think of uh, testifying, I don't know what you think about, but I came into the church when I was about 15 years old, a little Pentecostal church in Greenville, Mississippi. Uh, that's where I met my wife. She was a teenager on stage singing. And uh, we would have these things called uh, testimony services. And that's when the whole service was just testimonies. Um, and people would get up and testify. But then very uh, frequently somewhere in the service, and it was usually like when something Uh, Well, not usually, but many times when something was going wrong in the service, like we're trying to fix something up here, somebody testify, or the pastor couldn't get his mic working, somebody testify, and somebody would stand up, and, uh, and I'm like, as a newcomer coming into the church, you know, I just thought that this was, it's almost like Pentecostal catechism. Anybody from a liturgical or Catholic background you know what I'm talking about when I say catechism. Pentecostal folks don't know what that is. But, it, you know, but it's almost like Pentecostal catechism because inevitably an, a, one of the older saints would get up to testify and they would say, Brother Stewart, I'm just glad that I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> And that, and it's like every one of their testimonies started out that way. So I'm like, do they go to like a class uh, and they teach them like, okay, when you give a testimony, you're, when you begin to testify. And, uh, but man, I'm telling you, there were some older saints. There was this little lady uh, at the first church that Shay and I ever went to be on staff. And I believe I was laying in bed last night trying to think of her, her last name. And I think it was, uh, we called her Sister Madri. And, uh, we would go to her house, and man, she would come to the front door of her little, I mean, she lived in a little shack of a house. And she, it was clean and perfect, but, you know, she was a lady of meager means. And she would come to the front door, and I would stand out in the front yard, and the pastor would, you know, uh, I would just kind of be uh, assisting him. And he would say, uh, it's good to see you, Sister Madry. And she said, preacher, I'm saved, sanctified defied and filled with the Holy Ghost. And she would rock her little body back and forth. And then she would go into like a litany of, he's my healer. He's my Holy Ghost baptizer. He's my friend. He's my, and dude, she would just go on. And I, I mean, you know, that's when you wish you had the black uh, organist over in the corner going boom, 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 You know, because that's, that's when you just want to start going, man. Because they believed that stuff and it was powerful. 
That's what I think of when I think of testifying. I don't know what you think about it when you hear that word. Sometimes we think of it and it sounds kind of churchy, but it's really not. You know, you testify in a court of law. So there's all kinds of uh, things that you might think of, but for the, like a working definition of us for this series, a testimony, which is when you testify, you give a testimony. And for us, as a working definition, so that we're all on the same page, it's just the story of how God stepped in and changed me through his son, Jesus. That's all a testimony is. How God stepped into your life and my life and how he changed me. And he changed me from uh, unsaved to saved. But can I tell you, he's still changing me daily by different things that he's doing in my life. He who began a good work in me, that was salvation, will bring it to completion. That's the journey that I'm on right now. And he'll bring it to completion on the day that I see him face to face. So a testimony is just a simply, it's a story of how God stepped in and changed my life, changed your life through Jesus Christ. And in this, you're going to hear uh, terms and phrases that we'll kind of interchangeably talk about. Like we'll say testify, but I'll talk sometimes and say witness. So testifying and witnessing, interchangeable. Testimonies and witnessing, interchangeable. Um, sharing my faith interchangeable with witnessing, sharing my story interchangeable with testimony, testify, and witnessing. A lot of people, you know, back in the day when I was saved and we talked about sharing uh, your testimony or testifying or witnessing, those weren't necessarily the same thing. Testimony was over here of what God has done, but witnessing over here is trying to win somebody to the Lord. And I'm not saying either one of those is wrong or they're mutually exclusive, but I want you, I want you to change some paradigms because a lot of people do not want to witness. And can I tell you, it is impossible, hear me, it is impossible for you to not witness. You can't help but witnessing. Like you there, people are, and, and I'm going to talk about that in like two and three weeks from now, but you cannot not witness. It's just something that we're made to do. We are made to reflect the light of his glory. Even sinners, hear me, even sinners witness of God's glory. They don't intend to, but they do it anyway. Because listen, you... A sinner cannot do anything good of themselves. The scripture says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above, the Lord of lights. People see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. I mean, you know, it doesn't look like a praise fest when we get together as the people of God, but you'll hear people who don't even know God just say, man, God has been good to me. Well, you're not living for him. But the scripture also tells us that it rains on the just and the unjust. God's mercies are on the righteous and the unrighteous. So when, I, when we talk about testimony and witnessing, I want you to try to have this paradigm shift that don't get that um, 
do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? That formal sense of witnessing. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Knock, 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 knock. If you were to die tonight, do you know if you would spend eternity in heaven or hell? Do you know where you would spend eternity? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. I'm really wanting you to have a paradigm shift of just tell your story, man. Just tell your story. And I'm going to teach you how to do that over the next few weeks. Because I believe that God is about to unleash some witnessing power tools in this church. Like, get ready for it. He's about to turn you into witnessing beasts. So, I want you to look at the scripture. So, in the book of Acts, you know this very well. We'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon us. And you'll be my witnesses. You'll be my testifiers. You'll be my walking testimonies. We'll be whose witnesses? His witnesses. We're not witnessing about us. We're his witnesses. Witnesses of him, what he's done, who he is. But we'll be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outer parts of the earth. Now, the Greek word for witness is martus. Does that look familiar? That Shay asked me, did you misspell that word? I said, no, that's a Greek word. It looks like martyr, but it's pronounced martus. And it's the Greek word used right there in Acts chapter 8 for uh, witness. And this is what martus means. It means one who is an eyewitness to an event. Now, these are important. These, these two definitions that I'm sharing with you are important. A witness is a martus is an eyewitness to an event. It's an eyewitness to something that has happened. It's an eyewitness to something that has been said. So this is what a witness is. A witness in a biblical sense is somebody that is close enough. Come on, somebody. They're close enough that they've seen the handiwork of God. They've experienced the handiwork of God. They were at the healing when it happened. Amen. Have you seen it? Like, see, I can testify of some supernatural healings. Man, you can tell me that God don't heal. Uh, and I'm like, that's a lie. Because I seen him heal. My dad was told, you've got six months to live. And he lived for 22 years. And God healed him of cancer. I've seen that, man. I've seen God healed so many times. So you can tell me that. You can tell me I don't believe in that prophetic stuff. Man, you can go ahead and not believe it all day long. But I have martoused it. I've, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's not the proper uh, Greek word for it. But I have been a martus of prophetic words that, man, I'm like, how in the world is this person speaking this word of knowledge? They don't know me. They don't know. I, I never even met them before. I've had people in this room that you've given me prophetic words. Milton, you know, I've said multiple times, he has called me and just like, even really before he knew me well, and he's like giving me prophetic words. And I'm like, man, you don't know me like that. And you are giving me these words that are right on you can tell me you don't believe in that stuff, and that's okay. But I have experienced it. I have been up close. I have seen the handiwork of God. You can say, man, I don't believe in the spiritual gifts. And I'm like, listen, I ain't going to be uh, uh, dishonest with you. Spiritual gifts are a little bit weird. Why? Because supernatural stuff are not natural. 
so they are a little bit weird. But I've experienced it. God has used me in gifts of the Spirit, and I think I'm a pretty sane and solid person. You can tell me you don't believe in it all you want, but I've experienced it. I have witnessed it firsthand. You can tell me that little children can't be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't care what you say. I have watched my four-year-old daughter be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We did not work it up. She sat there. There was no organ playing in the background. Where It's just me and mama and her in the floor in our room. And she said, I want to be baptized. Four years old. Isn't that right? Four, four years old. In Atlanta, Georgia, you can tell me, but I'm telling you what. The scripture says, for such as this is the kingdom of heaven, the little ones. God will pour his spirit out on some little ones before he'll pour it out on some big ones, I believe, sometimes. But I've seen it. A witness is what, what's wrong today is that there aren't enough people that get close enough to the fire to get hot. There aren't enough people that have witnessed these things. And what we are doing in our church is we are, we are looking at the waning of so many people because they aren't witnessing it. They're not witnessing it in their churches. But they're not witnessing it personally in their personal lives too. Look at this second thing. The second thing that a, a, a martus is, a witness is, is one who will lay down his life for a cause. This is where we get our word martyr from. Lay your life down for a cause. So a witness for the Lord is willing to lay your life down for his life. A lot of times we think about that in the, in the biological sense, like I'm willing to die for, for Jesus. But you don't have to lay down your life like biologically. You can lay it down spiritually. Like what you want, lay that aside. Lay your life down, your wants, your desires. Forsake yours. The scripture says that if any man desires to follow after me, if, in other words, if any man desires to be my martus, my witness, he must first die to himself, his own desires. Lay down his own life. Pick up his cross and then follow me. So there's a dying to self, man. I'm telling you, the hardest thing in the world to kill is yourself. Is that self-desire that we have to have things our own way. But look at this. The greatest and most important thing that you will ever do for Jesus is to share your faith. The most important thing that we will ever do for Christ is to share our faith. And this is, this is more important than any gift you got. You could be the best singer on the planet. You know, you could be the best uh, administrator, the best children's ministry leader. You could be the best musician. You could be the best teacher. You could be the best preacher. You could be the best of any of these things. And none of those are as important or will compare to you just simply sharing your story, being a martus for him. And look at this. The scripture says this in John chapter 15, verse 13, that there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. This tells us that there is no greater thing that a person can do than to lay down their life 
for the sake of another, for the sake of a cause. So laying down us, sacrificing us on the altar of faithfulness, of obedience, we become his. And the most important thing that you can do. Now here's the question. It's a rhetorical question, but it's a question for a reason. If it's the most important thing that we will ever do for the Lord, how are you doing at that? Just think about it. This is not to beat us down. It's a reflective question. If the most important thing to do is not you serving at the welcome desk, it's not you serving in the children's ministry, it's not you being a musician up here or even somebody like me teaching from here, if the most important thing is none of those and it's sharing our faith, then how are we doing in that category? I'm telling you, God is going to increase us in this area. Are you ready to grow with me? Are you ready to increase in Christ in that area? All right, let's read John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And um, for the sake of time, I'm just going to uh, say, hey, you go and read it on your own. I asked some of you, well, I really asked the whole church, but I, asked, I sent out some texts and said, hey, man, read this so you can come with a little bit of background knowledge. This is a very familiar passage of scripture. If you've been in church for any length of time, you know the story of the Samaritan woman at the well that Jesus comes and speaks to. And so let me just give you the background context, and I want to pick some verses out of there. So what's happening here is Jesus, um, he is getting ready, and he's, they're, they're on their way through the countryside. And what happens is he is getting ready to go through Samaria. Now, you already know, or maybe you don't know, that Samaritans and Jews do not see eye to eye. They're like Democrats and Republicans. They just don't see eye to eye. We live in the same country. We don't see eye to eye. They live in the same country. They don't see eye to eye. And so they avoid each other. As a matter of fact, the Jews regard the Samaritans, this is real God, Christ-like, God-like, they viewed the Samaritans as dogs, like less than. So there's some racial stuff going on there with, with them, some cultural stuff going on there with them. And so they would avoid, you also know the story of the good Samaritan, again, both dealing with Samaritans. The good Samaritan, which was the dog of society, the dreg of society, was the one that was most like Christ. And so we know that uh, in that story, they wanted to stay separated from the guy who was hurt. All right? They, the guy over there is hurt, and they don't want anything to do with it. So we see that these two avoid each other on a regular basis. But the Scripture says that Jesus, in uh, verse 3, 4, it says, Jesus had to go through Samaria on the way. That's actually one of those verses of scripture that you look at and you go, hmm, that's sort of true and it's sort of not true. Well, how can scripture not be true? Well, he did have to go through Samaria. That's the truth. But he didn't have to go through Samaria. That's the truth. He didn't have to go through Samaria. They avoided Samaria all the time. You know, the, the Jews, they put in uh, that big old... Uh, Samaritan bypass. 
You know what I'm saying? Like we have these bypasses, so they have to go around the city. Man, they had, a, they had their own Samaritan bypass. They're like, we're not going over there with those dogs now. We're going to go out of the way. And so you, are you following me? But Jesus says in the scripture in verse 4, he had to go. And what, this is what he's saying, man. There are going to be times in your life where you're going to have to do something because it's a God-ordained moment. And God is going to propel you. And you're not going to understand why you went into this gas station or the one right next to it. You're not going to understand why I should have gone to that one down there because it's, you know, it, it's 306 per gallon. And this one's 339 per gallon. Why did I, that was a dumb move, you know? but God has an appointment for you there. Are you following me? There are going to be times where you and I, if we walk throughout our life as people who are, our steps are ordered by the Lord, we've got to understand that, you know, we're not going to be making mistakes many times, that we'll end up in places and we'll, like, why am I here? Or, or God, what are you doing? Or what, what's, you know, this person that's in front of me and all of a sudden they're just, you know, spilling their guts about life and everything. And it's like, man, I just want to go home and fix some spaghetti. And, you know, they're just like putting all of this out there. And it's like, man, let's perk our ears up because it may have been that you had to go that way so that you had to hear this story so that you can tell your story so that it intersects with this person and they can see God in, and hope. You know what I'm saying? And so he goes to Samaria and he finds this woman at the well. And, you know, they, they're having this conversation. Not only is she a gent, uh, a, uh, uh, Samaritan and he's a Jew. She's also a woman and he is a man. He's also a rabbi and she's a woman. And rabbis didn't just talk to anybody, especially strange women or women who were estranged. You know what I'm saying? Like there's so many boundaries right here that Jesus is breaking. He's breaking these rules. Even, even when his disciples came back and he was talking to them, y'all, you've probably heard this preached so many times. They walk back and they're really quite shocked. Like, what's he doing? And I love it when people on your team, they want to ask you something, but they're too scared to ask you. That's what Jesus was happening with his staff. They were like, what's he thinking? Is he in his, like, dude, is he out of his gourd? He's talking to this woman, like, Dude, we're going to get killed. He's going to get us killed. And that wasn't far from the truth, right? <laughs> Eventually. But they walk up and he's breaking so many cultural norms. He's breaking so many religious norms. And he's speaking to her. And as he's speaking to her, you know, the conversation is just all over the place. You know what I'm saying? She's like, well, you know, uh, you want me to give you a drink of water? Why do you want me to give you a drink of water? I'm a Samaritan woman. Like, you shouldn't even be talking to me. And he's like, well, I just want some water. And he's like, you know, I've got some water that you've never even tasted before. It's good stuff. She's like, who do you think you are? Like, do you think that you're better than our, our forefather Jacob? Like, this is some of the best water in the region. Like, who do you think you are? He's like, man, if you only knew who, who you were even talking to. Like, you arrogant jerk. Like, this is just getting worse. But she, you never know, man, what that other person is like. They, they, they've been hungry. They may not even know they're hungry. And so there's a curiosity there. 
And so all of a sudden, she's not turned off. She's not turned off. Like, see, if I said some of those things that Jesus said, somebody might be looking at me and going like, what a jerk. But she wasn't turned off because there was a curiosity that was working on inside of her. And so she's like, well, you're going to have to tell me where that's at because i got to get me some of that. He's like, he begins to talk to her. And then he's like, uh, she turns this topic. You ever been talking to somebody about something important and they didn't want to talk about that? So it's like, well then, where do you think we should worship? Like it just takes a 90 degree turn. Where do you think we should worship? Um, Jesus is like, really it's not important. That's not germane to the topic. You know, I know y'all say over there and we say over here, but there's coming a time and it's even come right now that God's just looking for people who worship him in spirit and truth. He's like, lady, it don't matter if you worship him over there in, uh, in, in Judea, Samaria, wherever. Because like, he's getting ready to call us to go into all the earth. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, that, that's really not the topic. Let's get back on topic. He's like, go get your husband. Now, that wasn't, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't a topic or a sentence that was out of order. Because one... Uh, like if I counsel with women or if I have something that I need to discuss with a woman, I never will counsel with that woman uh, or talk with her without like saying, hey, uh, let's bring your husband into the situation. You know, what was happening here is Jesus was just setting it up in a healthy way. And he's like, you know, really, I sh- you're right. I shouldn't be talking to you. So go get your husband. So, you see what I'm saying? He, it wasn't like he's being a jerk. And it's like, oh, I'm fixing to expose you. I'm fixing to get you dirty, slim shake. No, he wasn't doing any of that. He simply was like, all right, so go get your husband. And I want to talk to you guys. And she's like, I don't have a husband. And boom, word of knowledge. He's like, you're right. Not only do you not have a husband, but all of those other guys that you've been sleeping with and having a relationship with, and you know, you've been in and out of all these relations, none of those are your husband. And man, they get down and they're talking about this, and she's like, I'm telling you what, friend, if somebody gives you a genuine word of knowledge, that there is no way that they could ever know what you were going through, what you were experiencing, that will get your attention fast. And all of a sudden, you know, I've had people, I'm telling you, I've had people to give me prophetic words that initially I was like, "Mm, I don't know you like that. I don't just trust anybody that walks up to me and, you know, starts talking to me about uh, even necessarily spiritual things. And I'm like, "I, I don't know you like that. I don't know you like that. But I'm listening to you, and then all of a sudden, that person that I don't know you like that, all of a sudden, I know you like that. Because you just came into my world. God used you to give me a word of knowledge that you have no way of knowing this. Now you've got my attention. That's what Jesus did with her. Word of knowledge speaks to her, and she's like, whoa. I've never met you. She's like, surely you must be a prophet. Surely you're a rabbi. Surely you're a man of God. And he's like, man, if you only knew. And so all of a sudden, this conversation, as, as uh, the disciples come back, she leaves. She gets so excited that she runs off and she leaves her water. 
Let me see if I can find that. Woman surprised. Da, 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 da. In verse 28, it says the woman, uh, when the disciples came back, that was her, that was her interruption to get away. And in verse 28, it says, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Verse 30 says, so the people came streaming from the village to see him. Man, there's so many cool things happening right here. She left her jar. She left her water. Like, if you look at this, hey, you got to understand, man, we leave stuff all the time. Y'all rich Americans, y'all some of the most forgetful, leave stuff everywhere. I'm like, uh, you know, going through our lost and found, and I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, that's a really good cop there. Let's, you know, let's see if anybody comes and claims that, you know. Oh, that's a really good whatever, whatever. And it's like, but we leave stuff everywhere. First world, they ain't leaving nothing behind. Why? Because you ain't got a Walmart or, uh, you know, they didn't have Dollar Tree on every street in Judea and Jerusalem. When you got one of these bottles, when you got one of these, this was passed down from generation to generation. You took care of these things. She left something. First of all, it was physically, financially valuable to her. But she also left her source of sustenance. Like, we all have to have water. It's one of the basic building blocks to sustain life. She leaves this behind. What's happening here is she has found the new water. She's found a, a new purpose. She's found something new. And the things that she's valued before, all of a sudden, are not valuable to her, to her anymore. They, they may st- still be valuable, but not as valuable. And listen, what was happening, this is just what I believe, what was happening is you can look at this and you can kind of see a metaphor in there and it's like man what she is the drink of water that she is getting now for this next season of her life it's a different kind of water and she's no longer interested in just natural things man I'm just telling you you can preach on that all day long she's not She's no longer, I'm telling you, when you taste the living water of God, you have a different taste. Your taste buds change. Y'all remember how as we get older, our taste bud change? I used to hate Brussels sprouts. Now I love them. Used to hate asparagus. Now I love it. Used to hate this. Now I love it. I used to love that. Now I hate it. And what happens in the spiritual realm is as we mature in Christ and we begin to learn more and more about our good God, our taste change and I'm telling you man when I was younger I was all about getting the stuff the cars the house the different all of these things listen I've lived in a nice big old fancy house I've lived in these things none of that stuff matters to me anymore you know what I'm saying I mean what matters to me honest to God I God is my witness what matters to me is you guys my church family what matters to me is my mission my purpose in life What matters to me are are my family, you know, their spiritual well-being. I don't care about money, cars, none of that. You can ask my wife. I am. I'm not tooting my horn, but I'm tooting my horn. It goes back to that Jesus didn't have to go there, but he did have to go there. I'm telling you, I'm one of the most generous people on the planet. 
I'll give, a, I'll give you anything that I've got because that I do not find my identity in that anymore. I don't find my value in that anymore. I don't find my uh, pleasure in that kind of stuff anymore. Because I've become a servant of the Most High God. What's happening here is this woman's taste has changed. And God's about to taste some of y'all's change. Uh, or God's about to change some of y'all's taste. He's about to change your spiritual tastes. Things that you have been pursuing. Hear me. Come on. Things that you have been pursuing, they're going to lose the luster that it has had. Some of you have, you've got your vision going on. You've got your purpose going on. You've got your plan. Listen, I don't have a five-year plan. And that's, as a leader, a lot of people are like, what's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? Man, I just hope we're here. You know, I hope we're here. We're surviving, you know. I don't have five years. I don't have five years, but I know that God is with me now. He's going to be with me tomorrow, and I'm going to keep up uh, doing the same thing I do with the same passion and fervor that I do. Why? Because I love him. See, I fell in love with Jesus. I don't just like him. I don't just like to date him, you know. I mean, this is, he's the lover of my soul. He loves me and I love him. And I've grown. I couldn't always say that because, you know, when we talk about this, uh, we don't understand love in the storge, uh, in the phileo. We, we understand eros and we understand agape. That's God love. But these other kinds, see, I love you, Brandon. And I don't have a problem saying that. But like, you know, I love you, but my love for you is storge love. It's like, uh, or phileo love. It's brotherly love. My love for Shay is eros, you know, because I'm like, mm, girl. Uh, so it's, it's an erotic love, but it's also um, uh, storge love. We're blood. We're family. I can love her those two ways. I can't love anybody else in this room like that. I don't think I have any other relatives in here. <laughs> Sometimes I do have relatives here. Um, but what happens in the body of Christ when we begin to expand our understanding of love all of a sudden, man, the things that we've been pursuing are not important to us anymore. What come, becomes important is our mission and how that mission fits under the umbrella of Christ's kingdom. All right? So let me just uh, say a few more things about this. So here she is, man. She goes to the village. And um, let's look back at a uh, couple of verses 29, she, she runs back. She says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. All right? We're probably getting an abridged version of what happened. She probably said a lot more than that that's not recorded there. But she didn't run back to the, uh, to the village and, and knocking on all the doors and saying, hey, everybody, hey, everybody, hey, everybody, if y'all were to die tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? Uh, listen, I, I got to tell you something. He came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My dad, you know, I'm, she's, she's not going through the whole, uh, you know, litany of this gospel story. What is she just doing? She's just going and telling her story. And she's like, you've got to come see this man. He's told me everything I've ever done. And they're probably looking at her and 
and be like, girl, everybody in town knows what you do. Everybody in town knows your story. We know your story. And she's like, no, 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 no. No, you don't understand. I've never seen this man. He told me this and he told me that. And she's like, she's like come, just come see. Just come see. I'm just asking you to come one time. And then she says, you know y'all been looking for the guy, right? You, could, could this be the one? Because he says he's the one. Could he be the one? Just come. Just come. And so her story was so, there was, there was a telling, but there was a compelling in her telling. That's what we need. We need a, our telling has got to have a sense of urgency, a compelling. Listen, man, if God ain't done anything in, in, in your life recently, it's not because of God. I can tell you that. We need a compelling there needs to be some impetus. There needs to be some fire when we're talking about this. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got to shout it. You ain't got to scream it in their face. But there ought to be passion. I love Chris Valentine. He's got this incredible quote. And he says, every person should be easily accusable of what they're passionate about. Isn't that good? Like if you're passionate about it, I should know it just because you're passionate about it. And it's like, I can tell you there are people in our church that it's like, I know they are passionate about this because that's all they ever talk about. They've got every, 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 whatever that goes with that, they've got it. They're passionate about it. Man, we should be passionate about what God is doing in our world. All right. And then as she, uh, as she goes and tells them, so Verse 30 says, so the people came streaming from the village to see him. I'm like, dude, she just told her story, and they're coming streaming. Man, Lord, may I prophesy over this house that as you, as you ignite this uh, heart to testify, to share your goodness, may streaming happen. May streaming happen. May streaming happen happen. I want to ver jump down to verse 39. Verse 39 says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because, all right, stop. They believed in Jesus. Samaritans believed in Jesus because, we're fixing to find out why. Because what? Because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. Not because he was the Messiah, not because, you know, he claims to be the second person in the Godhead, not, not because of any of that, because he told me everything I ever did. There was power in her testimony. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed two more days, long enough for many more to hear his message. Come on, man. Listen, think, think about the power of your testimony. If we, if we take this, and I, listen, please, 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 church family, let's not glaze over this. Let's not glaze over this. Let's stay in John chapter 4. Go read it some more. Read it for days. Let this get ingrained in your, in your memory, your story so much that you can tell these things to other people. What happened is she went and told him, told them, they came out, they were enthralled with it so much so that they're begging him wouldn't you love to tell your story and it turns into people begging for experiences with God 
man, let's go. Let's go to the house. (laughs) Come on, Lord. Stay right here. Do this. Do more. Like, what if our telling turned people into begging? You know, begging in the sense of pleading for his presence. Longing, yearning for his presence. So much so, listen, he wasn't staying here this long. He wasn't planning on staying here this long. Do you understand? He's pulled off on an exit to get a Chick-fil-A sandwich and some, a big old drink. He pulled off for a potty stop and a food break. And it turned into two days of him just ministering the goodness of God. Wouldn't it be incredible that when you are out there on these assignments, wherever they happen, and all of a sudden people are hungry, man. They're turned on because they're searching. They're searching. Listen, you never know in those chance encounters what's happening on the other side of that person. You never know. Do you think this, that this woman's plan for her life was to go through five husbands? Do you think that's, that was her plan? Do you think that she was looking for number six because she's just ready? She was looking for love. She was looking for belonging. She was looking for value. She was looking for somebody to, to, to lift her into the place of who she really, you know, she could feel valued and loved. And she found it in this guy, Jesus. People are looking for things She was already looking for attention. She was just looking for it in all the wrong places. But all of the sudden, somebody gave her the right kind of attention. He wasn't wanting to go to bed with her. He wasn't wanting to monopolize her time and body and all of this for his own selfish pleasure. He was wanting her. He valued her. And I'm telling you, when you are a witness for the Lord, you value people. Like God wants us. This house, I mean, it's good for any church, but he spoke specifically to us. I want you to focus on four areas. Souls, the city, suffering, and our schools. You cannot really go after souls unless you love people. Unless you love people. Well, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. And Let me just pause there because I'm going to pick it up here in just a second. All right. So... This is the last verse I'm going to read. Verse 42. Then they said to the woman. So they talked to her before and said, listen, we believed because of what you said. They experienced Jesus. And now they're going back for another conversation with this this woman. And they said, we believed because of what, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. And now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Listen, there are going to be people that you're the key. You're you're the invitation. You're the the one who welcomes them in. Are you following me? You're you're just the one. you're, You're the lure. You're the bait. And they're going to, they're going to see that. They're going to be attracted to it. And they're going to want what you want. They're going to want what you have. But that's the first step. They're going to meet Jesus. And then they're going to come into a relationship that you you can only go so far. 
See, you can't save anybody. All you can do is martus. All you can do is witness. All you can do is tell your story. But there's going to come a time when they come into his story and he is going to do a work in their life and they're going to believe not just because of what you said or shared with them. They're going to believe because it's real. It's real, it's real, it's real, it's really, really, really real. So let me wrap this up. Every time I, prof- every time I testify, I prophesy. Like, this is what the scripture says in Revelation 19 and 10. It says the testimony, the telling of Jesus' story, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus. Every time I testify, I prophesy. When I testify, I'm giving a word of God's goodness, of God's glory, a testament of what God did, and I am giving an opportunity for God to do it again. All right? So say it with me. Every time I testify, I prophesy. All right? There's, there's three things that every testimony has. It has a past, a present, and a future. So I'm just teaching you kind of like what a testimony is like. Because listen to me, church. People don't know how to prophesy or, or don't know how, well, they don't know how to prophesy a lot of times, but they don't know how to testify. Um, I'm, I want you, we're going to have to get good at telling the story, your story, your story integrated with his story. All right? But we get lost in the minutiae. Well, I want to tell you a story about a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer who barely kept his family fed. Yeah, we get caught up in the minutiae. Well, I was down at Walmart the other day, and I was on, you know, aisle 10. It might have been 11. Uh, and I was going to pick up some, uh, we, we're going to have spaghetti that night. And Shay, she worked late. And blah. Do you see where I'm going? None of that matters. Dude, I need to get to the point. I'm like, listen, the other day I was in Walmart because that's important. I was in Walmart and I met a lady on this aisle and blah, blah, blah. And I get to the point. God spoke to me and I gave her this word. We don't know that there was Jello on sale that day and you got a great deal on it. And then you ran into your Aunt Murtis on aisle four. We don't need to know any of that stuff. And so many times people don't know how to tell a testimony. And, and, and listen to me, my friends at, 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 in this church. What happens is the devil is in the details, And while you are trying to prophesy, testify, martus, while you are trying to do this, the other person is bored out of their mind because they don't care and they don't know where this is going. So we got to learn how to tell our stories better. All right? Every testimony has a past, a present, a future. In the past, this is where I used to be without Jesus. This is what the Lord did for me. Every single one of y'all has a past. But can I tell you this? You got to get out of that past. Because you can't talk about the present and you can't talk about the future as well because you are so stuck in the past. That, that has become your identity. You've got to leave that water pot at the well, run off and tell somebody and start drinking the new water. Are you, are you with me? So here we are. Every single person in this room has a past. The past is where you used to be. The past is what you look like. All of our pasts look differently. 
Like, my past doesn't look like I'm a drug leader. My, my past doesn't look like, you know, I'm a corporate CEO embezzler. Like, I don't have those stories. I can't tell those stories, but I can tell stories of abuse, and I can tell stories of trauma, and I can tell those stories. But what will happen is I'll begin to find my identity in all of those stories of my trauma, and I live my life out as a victim and never a victor. We can't get caught in our past, but every one of us has a past in this place. Jesus stepped in, and he brought me out of that. And this is what I look like now. So there's a present. This is where I am right now. This is what he did for me. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Why? Because God is no respecter of persons. He'll do for you what he did for me and vice versa. So every one of us need to have a story of what is God doing in your life right now. Listen to me, church family. If God is not, if you, if you struggle to find that, this is not to shame you. This is to help you. Pastor Rife, I just don't know what God is doing in my life right now. You and I need to have a conversation. And I may trade you off and, and defer you to another person who's smarter in that area, but we need to have a conversation because God brought you from here and now he should be doing some things in your life. You, you, and, and so many of the believers today, they get saved and boom, that's it. And they stay where, where they were. And that's why you can see Christians who are still addicted to drugs. You can see Christians. And when I say addicted to drugs, I can talk about that because I come from a family of addicts. And I'm not talking about that in some condemning way. I'm talking about it in a very compassionate way. I've lost three of my siblings to substances. You can't come to Christ and stay in that addiction. That's not normal. Not for a believer. And so we have to go, what is God doing in our life today? Does it mean that you, like, listen, I, I've been fussing with God this week about some things. And, you know, we just came out of a series on spiritual warfare. And one of the last messages that I preached in that two-part was on seven spirits that the enemy uses to destroy the church the uh, individual, and then us as a community. And I, I have multiple ones of those. And I'm having a conversation uh, with the Lord this week about some of that. And I'm like, God, I don't like that. I don't like that feeling. I don't like that feeling that when those spirits operate against me. Um, I, it, it's just not pleasant, man. And I'm like, I ask the Lord, I'm like, could you take that away from me? Come on, man. Somebody needs to hear this. I asked the Lord, could you take that away from me? Because I don't like, like, I'll be victorious. I promise. I'll be a good little victorious boy. I'll be good, daddy. I'll be good. Just don't let me feel this way. And I heard the Lord say this to me. And he said, and I don't like the answer. But most toddlers, and I'm saying that about myself, in a sense of, you know, I'm sure I look like a toddler to him at times because I'm throwing this tantrum. Most toddlers, wisdom does not look, they don't like, but it's for their good. And I said, 
Father, could you please not, I don't like this feeling. I don't like this feeling. I recognize where it's coming from. I'm smart enough to know where it's coming from. I even know what to do. I even know how to cast it out. But the feeling's still there. I don't like that. Could you please take that feeling away? And this is what I heard the Lord say to me. He, not for you. If it's for you, great. If it'll help you grow, great. But he said this to me. He said, no, I won't. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I'm not going to take that away from you. Because that is how you know that that spirit is near. That's my discernment operating in you. That when, that, when you feel that, you know that that spirit is at work. Are you following me? I'm like, okay, God, but I still don't like it. It's not pleasant. You know what he says? I know, but my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you in this. And then there's a future. Every testimony has a past, a present, and a future. This is what I'm expecting God to do. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it. There's no evidence there, but there's prophecy there. I'm expecting God to do it. Why? Because his word says. This is what I'm expecting God to do. Like, I don't see this happening in my family, but I'm believing this. Why? Because this is what the word says in Jeremiah uh, 1 and 12 the, the, the Lord speaks to Jeremiah and he says, you've spoken correctly. God asked him a question. He answered it. And the Lord says, you've spoken correctly. He said, because I watch over my word to perform it. Why should we be prophesying? Why should we be, be declaring? Because if you are declaring the word, listen to me, my friend. It's as powerful and even more so, uh, I, I guess, coming out of this. Do, do you understand? Coming out of this to my, from here to my eyes, it's as, in, as powerful coming out of my mouth or even more so because the scripture says that there is life and death in the power of the tongue. So that when I speak these things from the word, God is watching over his word to perform it. And here I am, I'm just putting the word out in the atmosphere and God's going, yeah, okay, I'm just, I'm fixing to work that out for you. And in Revelation uh, 12, 11, it says, it says, uh, that they, meaning the body of Christ, believers, overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. That's his part. And the word of our testimony, that's our part. The word of our testimony. You follow me? That's our story. The word of not his testimony, the word of our testimony. So when you speak your story, when you put your story out there, you are prophesying that this is what God is doing in my life. That's the trajectory that I'm on. And every person in your testimony, you just simply need to narrow it down. Listen, this is where I was. This is where I am now. And this is where I'm going. And that'll help you get it down to the brass tacks, as my mama used to say. People don't typically cozy up to sharing their stories. So what are some reasons that people, that people don't witness? Number one, fear of rejection. Man, if I share this with them, 
I don't want to get shot down or embarrassed. Listen, do you know who else got rejected? Jesus, all the time. Like, he had to leave places because he couldn't do works there because of their unbelief. They didn't receive him. He was rejected. Paul says, and I believe it's Acts chapter 22, he said, I was, I was in the temple in a, in a praying and in a vision, Jesus appeared to me and says, get up and get out of Jerusalem because they will not accept your testimony or my testimony from you. Jesus says, this city is not going to receive. In other words, Jesus was being rejected. And he said, Paul, get up, get out of the city. I've got somewhere, somewhere else for you to be. So fear of rejection. There's avoidance of conflict. Man, there's two things you don't talk about at Thanksgiving dinner. And they're politics and religion. Listen, I don't know who thought that dumb statement up, but that's not true. Like, I, you know, I don't know about the politics thing. Just toss that out. But you and I need to learn to talk about spiritual things in a non-confrontational way. You don't have to get in a fight. Shay's brother and I, one time, uh, he wanted to get into a conflict at Christmas dinner over the uh, virgin birth and uh, he, man, he wanted to debate me about it. And I, I just simply said this to him. I said, hey, man, I don't care what you think. You have a right to what you think. You can think whatever. Jesus was born of a virgin. That's the end. The end. It was miraculous. It was an incarnation like no other. The end. I ain't arguing with you. Pass me them butter beans over there. And I just moved on. We don't have to enter into that. Listen, when you share your story, it's hard for somebody to be in conflict with your story. Now, they can be in conflict with you about Scripture and about so many things, but it's hard for them to be in conflict with your story because it's your story. It's your story. What happened in your life? All right? So they also many times will... Uh, avoid sharing their story because of a lack of confidence you know have the confidence my story man is not that good like I've heard people get up and say man I, I don't I didn't, I grew up in church so I was never a drug dealer or I never was strung out on drugs I didn't have sex before I was married I don't have anything good I'm like what I wish I had your testimony like a lack of confidence is many times it's not good enough or, you know, I, I haven't lived enough. Listen, every person has a testimony and they're, they're growing stronger all the time. Lack of knowledge. I don't know very much about the Bible. Listen, every one of us in this room, we're at different stages in our understanding of the Word of God. I can remember when I got saved, I didn't know anything about God. And I'm around these kids like Shay who were in the womb, you know, uh, in church she was you know bumping around in her mama's belly to praise and worship like man I got saved I, I come from a reprobate family heathen rank sinners and I didn't know who Abraham was much less Methuselah or any of these people I, I didn't know Jonah I didn't know, I didn't know any of this 
But over a period of time, I stuck around and I learned. And when I heard it, I regurgitated what I heard. A lot of people don't think that they have a knowledge. What do you have? Share what you do have. And here's the fear that people have. Somebody's going to ask me a question, a discrepancy in the Bible or something about Jesus that I don't know. Dude, one of the most liberating things that you can uh, ever do is like realize you don't know everything. You don't know everything. And so when people ask me things that I don't know, this is my response to them. You know, I don't know. But this is what I'll do. I'll go find out and I'll get back to you. So what do I do? I go and research that. I find it out. And then I call them back and I say, hey, man, let's get together for coffee because I found some stuff on what you were talking about. And so we go back. And what am I doing? I'm testifying. I'm sharing the story with them. So don't let a lack of knowledge uh, be something that intimidates you from sharing your story. If you can get comfortable with the answer, I don't know. I don't know. I never even thought about that. I never even heard about that before. Let me go check it out. You'll grow. All right? The last thing is this. Many times people have a lack of compassion. They just don't care. They just don't care that the world's dying and going to hell. They just don't care where people are going to spend eternity. They just don't think about that. Why? Because it is as in the days of Noah. People are eating and drinking and marrying and partying and giving in marriage. And they're living for the day. They're not thinking about that. But can I tell you, no person is promised tomorrow. So we do. We need to think about eternity. And we need to think about eternity for other people. But there's a lack of compassion And God is looking for people to tell his story. And he said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But look at this scripture in Romans 10. Whoever call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? That's why sharing your story is the most important thing that you'll ever do say it with me the most important thing you will ever do for Jesus is share your faith share your faith and your faith is simply this it's your life all mixed up with Jesus and in the early stages of my life it was just salvation it was just salvation But now I've lived in the faith for 35-ish years. And there's not a part of my life that Jesus doesn't touch. He touches my marriage relationship. He touches my money relationship. He touches my relationship with you. He touches my relationship with people in the community. He touches my relationship with my children. He touches every part. He touches my physical relationship with my health. There's not a part of my world that he's not mixed up in. So when I just tell my story, I'm telling Jesus' story. When I tell my story, I'm just telling what God has done. And I'm going to teach you how to do this. For those of you who might not know how to do it, we're going to teach you throughout the weeks of how to start telling your story. And it's not some hokey, dumb bait and switch. Don't you hate that? When somebody, they, they have a, uh, uh, an ulterior motive. Man, we don't have to trick people into into loving Jesus or whatever all you and I have to do if we'll get okay with it we just have to tell our story and when you do that 
Did any, let me just ask you this. Did anybody in here grow up under condemnation that you're not soul winning enough? Did anybody grow up like you're not winning enough souls? Come on, are y'all? Yeah, I'm serious. I don't, don't, don't do it because I'm asking you. I'm just like, I just thought there would be more people. Dude, I grew up with so much condemnation. Like you're not soul winning enough. You're not soul winning enough. You're not witnessing enough. You need to be witnessing more. And it's like, wow, I grew up under that condemnation. Now... What I want to do is I want to take that away from you and I want to empower you that when you tell your story, God's going to be so mixed up in that. People aren't going to know that you're even talking about the goodness of God. And at the right moment, at the right moment, you're going to be like Jesus at the well and you're going to say, if you only knew. See, he didn't do that right up front, but there came a moment in the conversation. The moment was right. It might not be the first conversation, the second meeting, or the third. It might be three months into your relationship. See, what happens, we want to see people as our projects. Oh, these are, this is my pet spiritual project. I'm going to get them saved. I'm going to get them saved. Well, you couldn't save them if you tried. All you have to do is love people and build a relationship with them. See, most of the time, people are resistant to the story of Christ because it's like, what are you trying to sell me? What are you trying to sell me? What do I have to change? What do I have to give up to buy your... When it's like, dude, let's just stop doing that. Love God by loving his people. Build relationship with them. And I promise you, once you begin to build those relationships and tell your story, just tell your story. God is going to open the door and one day you're going to be able to present the gospel and then I'll share that how to do that as well. So how can we apply the word today? All right, we're fixing to go, okay? How can we apply this word today? We have to let some things go. And so many times we think, uh, what sin do I have in my life that I have to lay down? Dude, I'm not even talking about sin. If you got sin, you need to lay that down. But there's these things that will keep you. You might need to lay down a lack of confidence that you've been beat down your whole life. I'm talking to people that you've been beat down your whole life, that you've been abused. You've been told that you, you can't do, you can't do. What does that sound like? A spirit of poverty, a spirit of lack. Like you've been told all these things, all right? So you might need to let that go. Um, I just don't, I, I don't trust people, God. I've been hurt too many, somebody listen to me. I've been hurt too many times and I'm tired of taking opportunities and chances. I'm just not gonna do it anymore. I can't do it. I can't, I, I'm, I can't expose myself, open myself up. Listen to me, lay that down. Leave that behind at the well, leave that behind because that will keep you from moving into your next season. That will keep you from being a martus, a witness. That'll keep your story so obscure. Leave that at the altar today. Leave your intimidation at the altar today. Leave your feeling of self-worth, like you're worthless. You just, you know, uh, leave all that behind. Leave your shame and leave your uh, guilt that you've beat yourself up because it's like, man, there's no way I could, uh, 
you know, if I, I'm too ashamed to let people know. Y'all, I know I'm talking to people because that is who I was about my sexual abuse as a child. I was embarrassed. There was so much shame. But do you know now, when I drug that nasty monster out into the light and I said, God, this is bothering me and I don't know what to do and it's holding me back and I'm embarrassed and I'm scared and I'm afraid of what people will think. Because see, the enemy, you know what the enemy had lied to me? Again, spirit of Python, spirit of Leviathan. These spirits had twisted the truth and had told me that I, was, I caused all of that to happen to me. I didn't realize that I was at that time a victim. I thought that was my fault that that stuff happened to me. And that if I tell people this, they would look at me as disgusting and hideous. And what was the enemy trying to do with those spirits? Steal my testimony. Steal not only me, but other people. Can I tell you how many people God has used that testimony you know, I know my wife probably gets tired of hearing me tell that testimony because she's heard it so many times, but that person hadn't. I'm not telling it for her. I'm telling it for that person. For those of y'all who have heard it in this room, I'm not telling it for you. I'm telling it for the one. I'm telling it for the two, the three, or whatever. That, and, and so leave that alone. When I left that at the altar, I'm telling you there's a liberation that came off of me and there was an anointing, an anointing that came upon me to tell my story then. And all of the sudden, I began to come into contact with people who had had this. And I was able to share with them what God had done for me and how God brought me out of that. And how God lifted that from me. Bringing the good news. So let some things go. Stand with me. Stand with me. We're going to let them go right now. So whatever it is that you've got that you feel like would hold you back. And hopefully I've given you enough examples. We sort of did this at the beginning of service and we kind of have come full circle. Whatever it is that you need to leave behind, can I tell you, it might just be apathy. Pastor Ralph, I just don't care about this. Could you preach a different sermon series, something that I really care about? Because I really don't want, that doesn't excite me. You might need to leave apathy here. Search your soul, man. What is it? Holy Spirit, right now in the name of Jesus, I call upon you to move upon the hearts of your people and that, Lord, we would lay down things that would keep us from walking in the anointing of being a martus for you, a witness, a testament, a testament for you. We give it to you. Just say this with me. Lord, I give it to you. I lay it down. It might even be hard for me. I might feel like picking it up tomorrow. But Holy Spirit, chastise me if I want to pick this back up. I need to lay it down. I need to leave it here because I want to walk into my next season. I don't want to just keep going back to the well every day. Come on, I know that's a mouthful. I don't want to just keep going back to the same well every day. I'm ready for some fresh water. Yeah, come on. Change my taste, Lord. I'm tired of that old water. I'm ready for the new water that you have for me. Things that were important to me are not going to be important to me. 
because you're fixing to give me some new things. Call me into my new destiny, sharing the faith through my story. Empower me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, two more things, guys, and I promise I'm letting you go. I want you to write your story down, and I want you to email it to me, to our church, at, this is real easy, at my story, M-Y story, my story at ourdestinychurch.com. If you're on our mailing list, I'm going to send you a text, and I'm going to send you an email as a reminder. What you're going to do, do not send me 18 pages, because I ain't going to read it. It's going to ask you, share your past. Where were you? Share your present, what God's doing in you. And share some things that you're believing him for, that he's going to do. All right? So you're going to do that for me. Okay? And some of y'all are going to share those testimonies throughout this series. And here's the last thing. Oh, my God. Look for some opportunities this week to testify. Listen, you're not, hear me. You're not going to force them. You're not going to force, my God, I'm going to work tomorrow and I'm going to tell Billy Bob what the, you know, you're not forcing them. You're not forcing them. What you are looking for is Jesus had to go to Samaria. You're just looking for the, for the opportunities. People are going to be in front of you and you're going to go, oh, this is, this is what Pastor Rife was talking about. This is one of those moments. And just tell your story. Just tell your story. Don't give them 18 pages of your story. This is where I was, and this is what God's doing right now. This is what I'm believing for. What do you believe in?